Please rise, you're able, for the reading of the gospel lesson. The gospel lesson comes from the, Matthew account of, the gospel account of Matthew in the 13th chapter, starting in the 44th verse. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it'll be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. One of my family's very favorite things to do together is to go check out local thrift stores when we're traveling and when we're in town. It's not that we're worried about scoring an amazing deal on something that we need, but rather we just love to go for the fun of it, to see what we may find. I personally always make it my secret mission to find the weirdest or craziest thing in the whole store, really to embarrass my family. It's a lot of fun, and I love doing it. Sometimes, though, we do come across something really cool, and usually it's when we were not even looking or expecting it. These parables today show something greater than we can ever expect to find. This passage today shows the power and worth of the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom worth? What are we willing to give up to receive the kingdom? When we look at these parables, these are understandable questions that might arise. Today, as we go through these parables, rounding out the series of parables of the kingdom of heaven that are seen throughout the 13th chapter of Matthew. Jesus here is talking directly to the disciples after a series of kingdom parables that he told to the crowds and then later explained to his disciples in private. It is important to note for later that Jesus is directly addressing those who are already believers and are following him. So this series of parables is directed at them and meant for them. They are the original audience. But it's just as important for us to hear this today. We're going to begin with a bit of background which will help us understand the importance of these parables that are told. The first parable is about the treasure in the field. The treasure is found by accident. But once found, is loved and protected, and then is bought with this man's every possession. Then there is the parable about the pearl of great value, which is sought out. Someone was seeking an object of great value and found this very pearl. 
Finally, there's the fishing net, which is widely spread into the sea. As we have seen, Jesus continues to use everyday imagery to connect his audience with his message. A field, a treasure, a perfect pearl, and a large fishing net. The first parable about the treasure of the field shows what it's like when someone hears the gospel and immediately responds with an abiding, wholehearted devotion to Jesus. They realize right off the line how important and valuable the message of the kingdom is. And this parable is purposely paired with the one that follows right after it to reinforce what Jesus is saying about the value of the kingdom of heaven. The pearl of great value shows someone who is seeking something of great value that is outside of themselves. In this case, seeking truth, but what they find is the kingdom of heaven through Jesus. And so again, they respond steadfastly and wholeheartedly to Jesus. In this way, these two parables are making the same points, just from different perspectives. The earlier parables we see throughout this chapter, of course, are also related to the kingdom. And whereas the earlier parables address the apocalyptic and hidden and coming aspects of the kingdom, these parables show the unimaginable value of the kingdom of heaven, both here and now. So then this set of parables is more about the value of the kingdom through Jesus. The message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus has come and will come again. And his value doesn't change. The third parable, the parable of the net, shows that not only does the kingdom spread a wide net into the world, but also shares an important truth. That evil will be a reality of our world until Jesus comes again. So in this, these parables show the immense weight of the kingdom that through Jesus Christ. And as with the explanation that Jesus offers with all of his given parables in this chapter, we have to be careful with making assumptions or speculating what the unexplained aspects of the parables mean. So instead, we stick with what is explained. And we focus on what is in fact portrayed. And there are three central truths to this text. The first is that God's kingdom is one of grace. It will come to fruition whether we do good or not, and fully despite us. We hold no power over God's grace. The second truth is that the kingdom of God is so much more than we can imagine. So that it changes us. It changes us when we encounter it. So that Everything, every single thing that we hold of value in our lives are seen in a different light. Jesus is showing us in these parables that we are inheriting something from him that is more than we can compare to anything else. It changes our perspective, purpose, and of course gives us a new life. When we are changed by the kingdom of heaven, our lens on life changes. We see the value of all things and a new light. So the third truth is discipleship. 
As theologian David Schmidt says on discipleship, discipleship is learning to live off of the grace of God in his kingdom. Jesus taught again and again what it meant to truly follow him, to carry our cross, to deny ourselves, to sell all that we have to follow him, to repent and ask for forgiveness as we did earlier, to give up our lives for Christ, to work to incorporate all into the kingdom of grace that Jesus has already provided. These first two parables are alike in that they show when an encounter with the truth of the kingdom brings about in someone's life. When we encounter the kingdom, we don't leave that unchanged. Wholeheartedly following Jesus and trading everything else for him. But these parables do differ from one another. In the first parable, the worker happens to stumble upon the treasure unexpectedly. He was not searching for anything. He was not looking for something of value. He was simply doing his work and in someone else's field. We know this because after discovering the treasure, he does everything he can to secure that field that holds the treasure he's seeking. The second parable depicts someone who knows what he's looking for, but he finds something way beyond in value that he could have hoped for. This merchant would have known what he was after. And would have known the value of a pearl. But he couldn't have been prepared for the precious worth of what he actually found. So whether searching or not, the kingdom of God is triumphant. Either way, the kingdom comes, searching or not searching. And we see this parallel in Jesus' earthly ministry. Jesus brought the kingdom to the people. Both to people who are seeking them, seeking him, and to those who are not. To Jews and Gentiles alike. To the prostitutes and the tax collectors. People came to Jesus to hear the truth of the kingdom. And as we see the, cap- the crowds gather to listen to him. Or as individual broken people came to him for healing. But we also see the people whose lives are changed forever. Because Jesus brought the kingdom to them in the most unexpected ways. We only have to simply look at the lives of the disciples to see how Jesus did this. Paul, as you know, once Saul of Tarsus, had a life-altering interaction with Jesus. Matthew himself was a tax collector before Jesus changed his life and gave him a new purpose. And if he can change Matthew's life as a tax collector, we know there's still hope for us. If you haven't guessed it yet, these first two parables helped listeners understand where they were spiritually in the kingdom of God. Jesus, in his teaching of the parables, was trying to reach a spiritually bankrupt people who had no hope and were living in a mindset of mediocrity and boredom. This is what he was trying to get at with his disciples, the people that they would reach. But he shows them and us that when we align ourselves with the kingdom, we will experience a purpose like no other. When we place our faith in the power of God, we unlock the realm of the impossible because, of course, God makes all things possible. Everything is possible through him. 
And although the parables earlier in Matthew 13 show us what God had in store for us since the beginning of time, these two parables show us what Jesus was about to do and is still doing today. A few moments ago, as we read in Matthew 13, 44, Jesus tells the parable of the buried treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. At face value to us, this parable could be confusing. So we're going to spend some time together breaking it down. So imagine... There is a field that has been worked by people for generations. Now, there's nothing special about this field other than the crop that it provides. Then one day, a man comes and declares that he wants to buy this field. He sells everything that he has just to afford this very mundane field. As you can imagine, the entire town is in uproar over this act. Why would he give up everything that he has? Who would be that crazy to sell everything to buy a field? You and I know, of course, that this man knows the worth of this field, but it is unknown to the world around him. Inside this field is a buried treasure that is worth everything and more. And in order to get to the treasure, he had to purchase the entire field. It's worth all the sacrifice that he is going through, but the entire town thinks he's crazy. That's the funny thing about discovering the kingdom of God. In order to fully grasp it, we have to be willing to let go of all things in our life, especially those that hold significant value in this world. Your friends and family will probably question you. Why are you willing to give up everything? Don't you know that that field is completely useless? Why are you going on that mission trip? Why do you dedicate so much of your time to going to these Bible studies? Do you really need to spend your entire morning at church on a Sunday? I've had people very close in my life question why my faith, and more importantly, the faith of my family and the importance of being part of the church community is a priority in our lives, as I'm sure many of you had as well. But see, on the inside, we're all smiling because you know you have found something that is worth everything and more. As the man who found the treasure knows, we have a joy in us that surpasses what we can even explain because of the treasure of the kingdom through Jesus Christ. And here is a very important truth. That's exactly how Jesus feels about you. When Jesus looks at you, he sees a treasure beyond worth, a diamond in the rough. But in order to get to you, He had to purchase the whole world. His disciples thought he was crazy for sacrificing his life. These men had become like brothers to him. They had shared meals. They had walked together. They had seen Jesus heal people and sacrifice of himself for the kingdom. And they still questioned what he was doing. But deep down, Jesus knew that his prize outweighed his surrender and his sacrifice. This is exactly what the kingdom of God is like. To the world, it looks like we're giving up everything. But the reality is that we are gaining everything and more. And so we give up of ourselves with great joy. Jesus takes the worth of this treasure even further when he says in Matthew 
13, 45 through 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Remember how I said that these parables describe what Jesus would do and is still doing. That is exactly what this parable is describing. For us, the kingdom is the treasure and pearl of great value. But I'd like to take a moment and flip this parable around and try to imagine it from Jesus' perspective of the church and the world. Before Jesus described the treasure, the man who found and had to purchase the entire field to receive the kingdom of God. But then he says the kingdom is like a pearl of great value that is found. So in my curiosity, and admittedly my ignorance, as I was preparing for the sermon, I decided to read a bit about how pearls are formed. We all know that pearls are created by oysters. What was interesting is how the oyster actually creates these pearls. Oysters are filter feeders, and they will consume anything and everything around them. The oyster, for us in this sense, is like the world. It consumes, and nothing is safe in its path. That is until it meets a grain of sand. I didn't know this, but oysters get really irritated by sand, mainly because they can't digest it, and in a sense, the sand cannot cannot be undone. Once a sand particle enters the oyster's mouth, it cannot be broken down. In some sense, Jesus is like the sand in that world. He was an irritant that went against what this world was about. And the worst part for that was that there was no force on earth that could consume Jesus. Nothing could break him down. No matter what the religious leaders and the Pharisees tried, Jesus would not be consumed by their plans. He would not get sucked into the cultural norms of his time. His mission to purchase you and the world would not be changed. So what does this have to do with the pearl? Pearls are created from just one grain of sand. Seemingly harmless sand is what creates these beautiful things. The sand particle remains lodged in the oyster's mouth and slowly starts building layer after layer of the pearl. And the longer the pearl is there, the larger it becomes until it reaches a point of great value. The Jesus who bought the field, the world, is the same Jesus who started the pearl of great price. The pearl is us. It is the church in Jesus' eyes. The church is the continuation of the kingdom of God on earth. And as each year passes, another layer is added to this pearl of great price until one day, the pearl will be completed. On that day, Jesus will come to claim his prize, his church. The church is this miracle emotion that refuses to be consumed by the world and is building itself up layer by layer, person by person. So which are we? Are we the oyster or the pearl? The kingdom of God is alive and active inside each and every one of us by the Holy Spirit. And as long as we are on this earth, we are continuing the work that Jesus started and this pearl of great price comes closer to being completed each and every day. So now let's turn our attention to the third parable in this series of parables, the parable of the net. 
Jesus is reiterating here a similar point to what we found in Matthew 13, 36-43. That the time will come to harvest what is caught in the net, but not yet. So for now the fisherman casts his net, waits patiently for it to fill. And then one day we'll haul it in and separate the catch. At that time the good and bad fish will be separated into the baskets or tossed into the fire, as the verses read. The good are those who are good for consumption. The bad are the unclean and inedible. Much like the wheat and the weeds, the good fish of the harvest are those who recognize Jesus Christ and his kingdom with great joy and are willing to give up everything of themselves to fully accept it. The bad are those who outright reject it and are unwilling to give up themselves to it. So this parable reminds us of an important truth. First, that Jesus and the kingdom are already triumphant. Secondly, this parable doesn't leave instructions or to-do lists for those believers who are already caught up in the net waiting for the harvest. Instead, this parable is stating a fact of the kingdom. That the net is widespread and that the good and bad will be sorted out in God's timing. So what is the difference between the good and the bad fish? In the most simple answer, it is Jesus. When someone has faith in Jesus, puts their trust in him, and what he has already done, they receive the righteousness they need to be counted among the good fish, and not through any merit of their own. We already know from the Apostle Paul that all fall short of the glory of God, all have sinned, and that the wages of our sin is rightfully death. When Jesus went to the cross with our sins, he offered us his righteousness in return. And as we heard from the book of Romans earlier, we are already his, despite everything else in this world. And there is nothing we can do to earn this or to be worthy of it. Our faith in Jesus Christ is the only thing that allows us to be counted among the good at the harvest. Because Jesus is good. Because the kingdom of God is good. And it is so much more beautiful and of precious worth than we can ever imagine or describe. So much like the separation of the weeds from the wheat at the time of the harvest. As we proclaim in the Apostles' Creed, Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. The parable of the net is about the message of salvation through the kingdom, through Jesus, into the world. It is about the disciples and us being sent in the world to cast that very net. To try as best as we can to share the immense value of the kingdom with everyone. To share God's grace. Remember that one very important aspect of the kingdom is that it is God's grace. We need this grace. But so do others. We all need to hear the good news. We all need the gospel. We need to know that because of the great value of the kingdom that will come for us and despite us, our lives are forever changed. We are saved and Christ's church is saved by him. Before we are ever sent in the world, we have already received God's grace. And we don't share this news to be others' salvation. 
We do it because Jesus has already brought the kingdom to the world, and he will bring it to fullness in his timing. We have joy because of the worth of the gospel message through Jesus Christ. We know that it is more than worth it. The theme of fishing is widespread throughout the New Testament. And so this imagery is not lost on us in this parable. The Apostle Peter himself was a fisherman along with his family. So theologian Dan Weber shares this thought. When we see Peter's feet in the water, we're reminded that it's not us versus them. Where we are the mighty fishermen who are sent to save the poor, needy fish. We ourselves need a savior. Even when we are sent in his name. Jesus uses the image of fishermen bringing in a haul of fish to describe the final judgment. This parable is all about the last day. Just as the fish are separated the good from the bad, so all humanity will be separated, the righteous from the evil. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And so then the stakes could not be higher. So what is our position in the kingdom of God? Are we in a position to give of ourselves with joy and freely to receive what Jesus has already done? Jesus purchased the entire world to gain access to those he saw worth sacrificing everything for. Everyone. Whether you are the field or the treasure is not up to you or what others may think or say about you. Because Jesus says you are of great value to him. So much value to him that he paid for your salvation through his blood. Jesus has already paid it all to purchase what is of great value to him. You. The king is coming someday to claim his prize. My biggest hope is that you and all would be counted among those who are his sacred treasure. Amen.